Wusa. What do I say? How do I say this? I legit just drew a blank. <laughs> All right. Well, this is going to stay in, I think. I'm, I'm not going to cut this so people can see just how ridiculous I sound when I don't edit myself. Action. Oh, gosh. I, I hit the, the cord for the, for the camera. Now it's shaking a little bit. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Aptcast, where iron sharpens iron and we poke each other with the pointy ends. I'm Wes, your host, joined today with Casey. How's it going, buddy? Hey, man. It's good to be back with you guys. It's been a while. Going to give a little shout out to the sad people, since Alex is always talking to the happy people. <laughs> all the happy people. Yeah, all you, all you poor depressed emo people. Yeah. We love you. Yeah. Well, glad y'all listening. Yeah, glad you're here. Good to he see you again in person, sort of, with the miracle. Yeah, of coming to you live from my closet. <laughs> oh, Casey's in the closet. There's no jokes there at all. <laughs> but, Only quiet place in my house I can find right now. So that's right. That's right. You just shut the world out, and here we are. Awesome. Well. Thanks for joining in and listening. Uh, you can catch us on all the social medias. I say all of them. Really, it's Facebook and Gab at the moment. Um, with uh, does, does YouTube count as uh, social media? Casey, what do you think? Uh, it works for me, sure. Okay, yep. It's it's social and it's media. Well, it's media and there's people on it, so it counts. So, yeah, if you're watching this on YouTube, throw down a like, share, and subscribe. That'd be awesome. Uh, we're on all the podcast catchers, uh, and uh, what else? What did I miss? I'm, I feel like I'm missing something. Patreon, yes, we we are on the Patreon train right now. It's uh, more of a love offering. If you like what you hear, if you want us to continue to do what we do and show your support, uh, don't have any content yet. We're still working on it, trying to figure out the best way to go. So if you want to jump on there and show some support. We would greatly appreciate it. And uh, I think that's it. So opening spiel done. And yeah, we get to introduce today's show. <laughs> so with, Hey, totally forgot. Hey, you forgot the tagline, man. I know. I said it at the beginning. We're iron sharpens iron and we poke each other with the pointy ends. That's why you're wearing your glasses up. so I don't poke you in the I eye. Must have phased, yeah, I must have phased out, man. Oh, that You start talking and, and my eyes just glaze over. <laughs> yeah, that bodes well for the rest of the show. <laughs> awesome awesome well uh, i had this idea that when alex sitting around i can talk reformed theology uninhibited <laughs> so uh, i thought it'd be a really neat idea to to bring casey back on board um even though he's not technically reformed we don't hold that against him he's got the beard so you know it's it's close enough. Yeah, the beard, beard is at least 99% of Reformed theology, right? That's what I see on Facebook, yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm not even there yet. I've got more of the theology, less the facial hair. So I think you might actually be more Reformed than I am. <laughs> I, I would tend to agree with that. Uh, Spurgeon agrees, at least. But uh, anywho, we thought it would be neat to uh, walk through the confession. Certainly not the whole thing <laughs> in one. <laughs> But uh, the 1689, we'll go ahead and show this to the people at home. Oh, let me get it over here where the camera can catch it. Um, this little uh, nifty little copy brought to you by the uh, fine folks at Founders Ministries. 
uh, for fellow Southern Baptists. That's uh, their SBC group. Did you know that, Casey? No, I didn't. Yeah, some crazy Calvinists in there, man. What are y'all going to do with them? We've been infiltrated. <laughs> you got to root that out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, the uh, Confession of the Baptists, uh, going back to 1689, actually started before then. Um, you know, a little history lesson. Casey, you're a bit of a history buff. You know, in the 16th century, we had that uh, kind of re- reformation, if you will, that started uh, with a, a Lutheran chap. I forget his name. But uh, uh, after, after him and John Calvin uh, created the, the Tulip Doctrines, then uh, the 17th century saw a rise in what we might call confessional Protestantism with uh, the Presbyterians getting the Westminster Confession and uh, the Baptists getting the 1689 or the Second London Baptist Confession. And uh, really just kind of lays out, um, it's 32 whole chapters of just the most fascinating reading material you can get. Um, really kind of functions as a commentary, or uh, not a commentary, um, almost like a study guide. Wouldn't you say? How, how would you describe the 1689, Casey? Long. <laughs> <laughs> Of systematic theology. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Please continue. I interrupted. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. No, yeah, definitely systematic theology. Uh, that's that's what a confession is good for, is for is codifying what you believe. It, it doesn't necessarily, uh, well, it doesn't in any way take the place of Scripture, but it just kind of sets... Uh, sets a set of beliefs uh based on scripture you know this is we know what we're going to be covering tonight uh you know is is about scripture and about scripture talking about scripture and um it just kind of really puts in one place the ideas and the theology that we have coming from scripture boom well said but just a way of organizing the whole thing yeah yeah really good and uh Back uh, back in the day, we went through uh, sort of the Southern Baptist version of it, um, the uh, Baptist Faith and Message. Um, also starts uh, with a section on Scripture, what Scripture is, how we understand it. Uh, and that seems to be a common theme with uh, a lot of Protestant uh, confessions. Uh, this one starts with it, Westminster. I think even uh, the Belgic Confession. I could be wrong about that. But... Uh, what do you think the significance of that is, Casey, that uh, the, the confessions start with recognizing Scripture? Well, that's the foundation of everything. Uh, it's, it's what we draw our truth from. And if you if you don't start with Scripture, what are you going to start with? Ooh, come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, everything that we know about God uh, is found in Scripture. And so if, uh, you know, if you're going to have uh, a set of beliefs— then the first thing that you've got to lay down is your set of beliefs about Scripture, about what Scripture says it is, the validity of Scripture, where Scripture gets its authority, uh, and then you can you can bounce off of that from for everything else. Yeah, exactly right. I like it. I like it. And uh, with that, let's let's jump on in. Our, our goal in this series, as we walk through it, is is just to take it a little bit at a time, chapter by chapter, section by section. And in this case, I don't think we'll even be able to get through the whole section. Uh, it's so <laughs> dense and rich. But uh, I'll go ahead and read the whole section, 
and uh, we'll just kind of start chopping it up and see how far we get and uh, know where to pick up next time. Uh, so 1689, Chapter 1 is of the Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience, although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men excusable, yet they are not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and His will, which is necessary unto salvation. Therefore, it pleased the Lord at sundry times and in diverse manners to reveal Himself and to declare that His will unto His church, and afterward for the better preserving and propagating of the truth, and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church against corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan and of the world to commit the same holy unto writing, which maketh the holy scriptures to be most necessary, those former ways of God's revealing his will unto his people being now ceased. That is a mouthful. <laughs> That's a lot of words right there. <laughs> that is certainly all words for sure. Um, and, and I can't help but but notice uh, that uh, your camera seems to have gone away. Ah, hope, okay. Hope everything's okay there. Yeah, are we back now? Yeah, there we go. All right, there we go. A little technical difficulties. It's all good. Yeah. It's Friday night. The, the cameras took an early weekend. It's <laughs> like early leave of it. Yeah. Um, I couldn't help but notice, uh, you know, in uh, Sunday school, uh, going through uh, Hebrews, and, and that uh, nomenclature there, sundry times and in diverse manners. Diverse way. Yep, Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. There it yep. is. I, I recognize that immediately when we went through that, too. Yeah. But uh, that's that's getting ahead of ourselves, right? It's just a little... Yeah, a little bit. Uh, that's, that's at least 45 minutes in right there, man. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> but that first sentence has so much density to it, right? Starting with the affirmation of what scripture is the only sufficient certain and infallible rule of all saving knowledge faith and obedience i mean that right there let's just let's pause and try to digest yeah. this what what all is going on in here all right well, we got the only right that's that's the first big word they mm -hmm. only um it, there's later sections there to talk about the apocrypha and all that stuff but it, you know, establishing the fact that the scriptures are the only source for all of this. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's no other uh, source. There's no other new revelations. There's, there's nothing else that can come out uh, that's going to be, wouldn't be able to supplant scripture, add to it, take away from it. Yep. Um, it is the only source uh, for, for all the information that we have about God and his plan for salvation. Yeah, it gets into, uh, you know, kind of placing this historically after the Reformation, that uh, great reformational truth, uh, sola scriptura, right? The, mm -hmm. the Bible is uh, the sole authority there. And the, the series here, um, now I may be looking into it a little too much. I, I tend to be a grammar nerd sometimes. But when it says the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule, of all saving uh, knowledge, faith, and obedience, my mind goes to, okay, it's the only sufficient rule of all saving knowledge, saving faith, and saving obedience. 
the only certain rule of all saving knowledge, saving faith, and saving obedience, and the only infallible rule of all saving knowledge, saving faith, and saving obedience. It, 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 am I looking into it too much, or is that complicating it, or is that a, a right no, way of what's happening? I don't, I, no, I think that's exactly what they mean um, when, they, when they phrase it that way. The language in, in this one is very compact, yeah, um, and so they, they fill... The, every word has significance that's filled with meaning. Um, so, no, I don't think you're reading into that uh, too much at all. Um, it's very carefully written. They choose their words very, very carefully uh, to make sure that what they're saying is uh, as accurate to what they mean yep. uh, as they possibly can. Uh, so, no, I think that's a perfect way to read it. Uh, that, that, that those, those three modifiers are modifiers of all three of those subjects. Um, so yeah. Oh, no, look you're, at you're you right. with the exactly nerdy right. words. Uh, the uh -huh. modifier. Hey, never, <laughs> never underestimate my ability to go one up on you. There, there you go. I like it. I like it. So let, let's start with that first one. You said that the, the first word, big word was only, then we get to sufficient. Right now, now to my mind, that means we don't need anything else. If all mm -hmm. we had was this book right here, then, then we're set. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. I would I would agree with that 100 percent. OK, uh, there's there's uh, I mean, things like study, you know, study Bibles, they help mm -hmm. uh, the confessions, they help. Uh, but all of those things have to come back to the word uh, they can't add to. They can't take away. They can't change. They, they, they can help illuminate. Uh, they can they can help uh, explain in simpler terms or. Um, you know, as, as time passes and some of the meanings, uh, the meanings of words adjust, we have new translations that come out that adjust the meanings as the language is spoken at that time. Mm -hmm. And so those kind of helps, uh, really aid us in being able to understand the word, but the word itself is sufficient for all those things. Yes. Yes. Um, and you, you kind of got into, uh, you know, these these additional resources that we have, the commentaries, confessions, things like that. Um, and, and as we get into the rest of the series, uh, for it to be certain, right, these confessions can, can get some things wrong, right? Westminster says we need to sprinkle babies, right? That's, yeah. that's not right. No. Right? But insofar as both Westminster and London Baptist point you to this book right here, they are certain, not because the confessions are certain, but because this is certain. God's word is certain, right? It's, it's what we can trust uh, precisely because of its source is not in the writings of man or not solely in the writings yes. of man. That's probably a better way to say it, but it's actually inspired by God himself. And, and as such, this brings us to uh, the last uh, in the series here, Infallible. Right, it can be infallible only because it was God Himself who inspired it, right? Right. And uh, you know, in that sense, I've got a little electronic copy of the Bible. It's not as dramatic to hold up a tablet and say, "Yeah, it points <laughs> to this." <laughs> and, and yet, um, you know, since since we usually use the ESV, my my, my copy is the uh, NASB, right? The New Appreciation for Salvation Bible. Um, <laughs> But uh, I figured I'd stick with the ESV because I know that's what you have. Um, what the first of many, many, many scripture references 
this confession has is actually to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 15 through uh, 17. I'm just going to read 16 and 17. I think those are the ones uh, specifically right here to focus on. Uh, but it's one that, that anybody raised in the church is likely to know. It's one uh, a, a passage that we know really well. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, uh, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And that first phrase there, all Scripture is breathed out by God, or God breathed. Uh, it's one of those uh, words that Paul made up on the fly. <laughs> the crazy smart guy he was, or is. Now we're not getting into that yet. <laughs> Are you asking the question, is Paul eternal? Ooh, ooh. Um, I can answer that one for you right now. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right. All right. Sorry. Was we'll, we'll we'll stay with the past tense. We'll we'll talk about uh, our existence in, in heaven um, as uh, existence or or past tense at a later time. I'm sure there's you know s- several other chapters we can jump into that on. <laughs> but uh, I, I think the point specifically here is recognizing that uh, scripture is sufficient because God Himself provided it. Right. Man, man uh, cannot live on bread of alone, but by the very word of God, um, it's certain because it was God who provided it. The God who cannot lie, who uh, cannot uh, sin. And it's infallible because God himself is infallible. So his word to us carries that same perfection, carries that same authority. And, and all of this is pointing back to the God who breathed out this scripture by his spirit. Mm-hmm. So far, so good. Yeah, yeah. I think you need to to uh, have a functioning definition of the word infallible, mm-hmm. uh, because you're you, the, you know, and I'm sure you probably run into this too when we're talking about people that uh, just believe that the Bible is an old book written by men. You know, they'll talk about all of the uh, you know quote unquote errors yep. and things in the Bible and contradictions in the Bible. When we're talking about the infallibility of the Bible, it's in the infallibility of the message that's in the Scripture. Uh, it's the infallibility of um, the meanings. Right. Um, you're going to have what they call scribal errors, mm-hmm. where maybe they flip a word or misspell a word or things of that nature. Um, and that's you know that and those different kinds of errors come under a couple of different categories. Uh, those that change meaning and ju- those that just change the flow of the words. Right. Um, and so, you know, when you're when you're talking about textual criticism, uh, you know, you really really have to be careful with uh, what is an actual error versus what is, you know, just a, a, a scribal misprint or, or something of that nature. So, yeah. you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, the Bible's full of errors. Well, it, yeah, you, so, you, you know, sure, you might have this this word spelled a little bit differently here, or this person is called by this name here yeah. and by this name here, and, you know, those kind of things. That doesn't mean that the message of the Bible and the meaning of the Bible is not infallible. So, so when you have one manuscript that refers to Simon, another one that refers to Peter, and a third one that refers to Cephas, that's not an actual <laughs> error, right? Because they're all referring to the same <laughs> yeah. guy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's good that you bring that up too, uh, because infallible is not the same as inerrant. Uh, 
So there's a distinction mm-hmm. there, right? Uh, inerrant is that um, there are no errors, whereas infallible uh, takes it up a notch and says there can't be any errors. But uh, as you rightly point out, um, it's it's looking at the, the message, uh, the meaning behind uh, the words that are being uh, stored because specifically uh, we have to deal with those scribal errors. Um, and, and I'm curious, uh, your thoughts probably talked about this in the past, but it's not coming to me. So let's talk about it again. Um, would you say it's accurate that the original manuscripts were perfectly accurate or perfectly infallible in themselves? I would say so. Yes. I think the, the original manuscripts, uh, were exactly what was intended. Um, and only after copying did those errors uh, come into play. Yeah. I, I tend to agree. It's also an easy position to take since we don't have the original. So we can say, yeah, those are the perfect ones, right? Yeah, those, those are the ones. That's the right one. It's kind of a cop out, but it <laughs> doesn't make it not true. <laughs> uh, also, it's, it's, it's good to point out that too, because when you have someone who's critiquing the Bible because of perceived errors, um, there's an authority issue there, right? And if we recognize that God is the authority, then we have to recognize that what he says is the authority. And if somebody else comes in and says, well, God didn't really say that, they're actually elevating themselves. And let's not say them, because we do it too. We're elevating ourselves above the authority of God to say we can critique his word and, and this is not right, or this doesn't apply today. You know, any number of uh, euphemisms we want to put it, basically we are the serpent saying, has God really said? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. No, that, that level of pride was the first sin and it continues to be our sins. Yeah. Yeah. We have, we have to be careful with, uh, with textual criticism and, and not, uh, I don't know really how to say it, but not not critiquing the message, but maybe critiquing our understanding of the message more. That makes sense. Yeah, that's and that involves a level of humility to come to the table and recognize that um, the Bible itself is infallible and therefore inerrant. And so if there is an error, actually, it's actually here, not there. And when mm-hmm. we come to the table... Um, we both probably bring errors. So let's both be corrected by the word of God because that's the only perfect source that we have. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. And uh, then we, we move from the qualifiers now to um, the, what they are qualifying, right? This, is, this has to do with salvation specifically. So when we say the scripture is the only sufficient source, we're not saying that, you know, this right here, it's a science textbook and a psychology textbook and tells us all we need to know about the periodic table of elements and mathematics, mm-hmm. right? It's not concerned with that. What we're talking about here is specifically uh, knowledge necessary for salvation, yeah. faith necessary for salvation, obedience necessary for salvation. Did he say that? Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I approach this... Um, in a similar way that we've talked about before, sort of the levels of faith, uh, that, that's a way that some folks understand um, a chair, right? You can know that the chair 
um, has to support X amount of weight in order to support you. But then you can also believe that the chair can support you specifically. And then you can go sit in the chair. And so that seems to me to be a, not a perfect analogy, but a similar analogy to what's being purported here. There's a content of what needs to be known. There's a faith of actually knowing it. And then there's an obedience that's acting like it's true. Mm-hmm. Am, am, I, am I off base there? Or am I on the right track? No, I think you're, I think you're right on the track there. Uh, as a matter of fact, even the, the, uh, in the Hebrew language, you cannot separate uh, belief in terms of action versus just simple understanding. Mm-hmm. They are, they're linked completely. Um, so when, when, a, when a Hebrew says that they believe, it's not just a mental assent to the facts. It is an actual, they, they understand the facts and they act on them also. That's what believe means for them. Yeah. No, I, I think that's true, and I think that's true no matter who you are, right? We can say that it's it's kind of contained or loaded within the Hebrew language, but uh, you know, I heard someone talk about how, uh, like Hindus or some of the Far Eastern religion, uh, will talk about how reality is is illusory, right? That this reality is not real. Yeah. Those people are going to look both ways before they cross the street, because <laughs> there is a belief, there is a faith that this reality is real, that uh-huh. imp, uh, compels them to action. And that's the type of faith that we're talking about here. There's a, a true knowledge, there's a true belief, and then there's a true behavior in light of that. And uh, this, of course, gets us to salvation, which kind of is the point of the whole thing, right? <laughs> it is the point of the whole thing, yeah. Um. And so we would then agree and you, you put feel free because I know you're not uh, you, your beard is reformed. I'm not sure about the rest of you. You know, when we get to a, a place where, you know, you disagree, feel free to object because, you know, if you were to tell maybe the average Christian, the average professing Christian, let's say it that way, that uh, in order to be saved, you have to know certain things. You have to believe certain things and you have to act in a certain way that's going to rub some people the wrong way. That's going to ruffle some feathers. Don't you think? I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Cause who are you to tell me how I'm supposed to act? Ooh-hoo. Yeah. All I need is Jesus, man. Yeah. That, doesn't you, doesn't your Bible say don't judge? I don't, I don't need your doctrine. I just need Jesus. Just need Jesus. Tell me yeah. who that Jesus is. It's in chapter <laughs> two. <laughs> but yeah. And, and it's, it's, helpful to know that going in right and as protestants whether reformed or not whoever's listening to this um, and really even some some different flavors of of other branches of christianity um, we all believe that there is a behavior that's consistent with christian belief right that there's a behavior we we all have james 2 in our bible right the faith without works is dead Right. Yeah. We don't necessarily have to believe um, specific doctrine to recognize that if we profess certain things or we do miracles or we do certain good works in the name of Jesus, that on the last day, there's some of us that he's not going to look at and say, depart from me. I never knew you. 
Right, because there's a consistency with knowledge and behavior. It's not just behavior. It's not just knowledge. There's got to be a, a, a unity between all of these. Yeah, you've got to walk the walk. Yeah, I mean that's that you you if you read the New Testament and really if you read the Old Testament, that's pretty much what it's about. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know we just in our Bible study class we just finished going through the Minor Prophets. Well, that's a broken uh, record of a series, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. You got that right. And, you know, we, we complained about the minor, you know, the prophecies being kind of a broken record. How dumb are we that we didn't change anything, yeah. that we needed that same message over and over and over and over? Yeah. Right. God didn't give us a fresh know, revelation. He just said, L- listen to those guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, I, I've already told you once. How many times are going to have to tell you? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, all that is about you've done this you've done this, you've done this, you know, I have this against you. Um, so it's, it's all about, you know, your, your actions, what you do is going to reflect exactly what you believe. Yes. And for, for a person who is a Christian to understand that first and foremost, they're a sinner. Uh, and, and second, that it is Christ who has saved them. If, if they believe that, then automatically their behavior is going to adjust accordingly. Yes. You know, um, that you're going to see the fruit of that in their lives. If it's, if it's true, if it's a true belief, you're going to see the fruit of that in their lives. Um, and so, yeah, we have to understand that there is a code of behavior. That code of behavior does not save us. And that's the big thing. It doesn't save us. You don't, like you said, you have, uh, casting out demons and prophesying and all that stuff is not what saves us. Right. It, it's it's that changed behavior that shows that we have been changed, that we have been saved. Uh, and so, you know, when you get to talking about uh, prescribed behaviors with a lot of people, they'll, uh, you know, they'll turn that off because, well, Christian freedom. I'm I'm free to act in in these certain ways. Um, you know, and that and that a, a lot of what Paul wrote was was cautioning against that very same thinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, really good there. Really good stuff. And uh, I think really the, the only thing I would add is the uh, just the interesting series. Both of these are series of three, three modifiers, three objects. And I can't help but, as a Trinitarian Christian, think that there's something special about the relationship of three here. And uh, how neat it is. Uh, not not saying that, you know, this is necessarily Father, Son, Holy Spirit or any kind of relationship. Just that, you know, we tend to think in, in sets of three. I mean, how many sermons have you heard with an intro and three points and a, and a closing? Yeah. Yeah, you got, you got you got to have your joke, three points, and a poem. That's right? right. That's exactly right. And then pass the plate. It's time to go to Cracker Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the threes, uh, you know, and from a literary standpoint, you see threes a lot as yeah. well. I think that kind of thing is kind of embedded in our psyche. Hmm. It's almost like we were made in the image of this same God who's this three in one. In God, yeah. Almost, <laughs> almost. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. So uh, now we're making good time. We're we're about halfway through, so good. And uh, we've got a nice little uh, pause here. 
as uh, we adjust from these three affirmations or these general affirmations of what Scripture is, now we follow that up with a denial uh, that the light of nature, the works of creation, and the works of provi uh, providence uh, can provide any... Uh, can provide even the knowledge of God and his will, let alone the faith and the obedience, right? So, so mm. although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence uh, do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men excusable, there's a little reference to Romans 1, mm -hmm. yet they are not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and his will, which is necessary unto salvation. And I can't help but connect that knowledge there to that series of three we just talked about, knowledge, faith, and obedience. If none of those can give us even the knowledge, then we can't expect them to give us the faith or the obedience you know, that goes along with it. And uh, yeah, and that's, you touched on it right there in Romans 1, you know, where uh, Paul is talking about, you know, nobody has an excuse uh, saying, you know, well, I, I didn't know, I didn't know about God, um, you know, because we do see, uh, all that we need to know about God in order to be condemned. Mm -hmm. exactly um, there's, 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 there's no excuse. Now it, we, we see everything that we need to be, uh, to be condemned, but like I saying here, there's not enough in nature to show us the way to salvation. Right. Uh, so that, that general revelation that we have of God is enough to show us, you know, that, that we're, we don't measure up, that we're not, uh, that we're in need of a savior, yeah. but it's not enough to specifically tell us that, you know, Christ was the savior, that Jesus was the son of God, that he came, he died, was resurrected on the third day. You know, it, that, that we, we can't go out and walk in the woods and find that out. Yep. Um, so that's, that's why it's necessary for us to, uh, to be missionaries in the world. Ooh, um, there it is. So we, we have that, you know, we have that uh, that general revelation that every human on the planet knows there's something other than me. There's some mm -hmm. higher power other than me, um, and that's enough to condemn. Uh, but then we have the revelation through Scripture that shows us the truth of the gospel. Yeah, yeah exactly right. And um, when we talk about what's what's revealed, that the confession has that nice little uh, trifecta of goodness, wisdom, and power. But actually, in keeping with, you know, the confession driving us to Scripture, let's, let's go see what Paul says there in uh, Romans 1 uh, specifically. Uh, this is Romans 1, uh, starting at 18. I'll just read until I get tired. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this, this chapter just oh, drawn me in so many times. Uh, he just starts off, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to him. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse." And, and so we see there in uh, the words of Scripture, in Holy Scripture, the, the, the sole authority, that um, it's not just a recognition of 
who God is. Uh, and, and to your point, not even uh, just a general, vague understanding of a higher power. There are specifics in general revelation, uh, which is a nice uh, theological term there. I like that. Um, as opposed to the special revelation of Scripture. But uh, Paul uh, rightly uh, points out that we suppress that truth. So it's, it's like a, a blown-up balloon or, or a beach ball that we're holding under the water, right? That, that goodness, the wisdom, the power of God is shown to us, and yet what do we do? We just want to push it down. We want to say there's no God, when in reality we have to believe uh, in so many things just to walk around and be people that, you know, we're constantly, I, I like the, the frames here so I can keep pushing stuff out on all sides, right? <laughs> we're just trying to, you know, push God away. And I mean, the, the, part of the human condition in our, in our natural fallen state is we don't want God, we want his stuff, right? We want the blessings, we want the family, we want community, we want uh, wealth, we want power, we want influence, we want these things that aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves, but when they are sought after at the expense of the God who provides them, that reveals our own character, our own brokenness. Uh, and like you say, uh, we're, we don't have an excuse for it. Like Paul says, like the confession says, uh, and that's why, as Paul says, the wrath is being revealed. Not the grace, not the, mm -hmm. not the uh, forgiveness. You know, we recognize God has grace. God uh, is forgiving. But no, it's the wrath that's being revealed. Uh, so general revelation, as you rightly point out, is enough to condemn us, and that's it, which is precisely why we're motivated to go out and tell the world. Right? We're, we need to get out there and let people know, yes, you know you're broken. You know people are bad. You know you are a sinner. And you know the God you've sinned against. This is how to fix that. There's the gospel. I mean, we haven't gotten to it yet, but I mean, two sentences in, or one sentence in, and we're already right, yeah. right here at the gospel. How awesome is that? Yeah, that's just right out of the gate, man. And that's you know that's how the the, the scriptures are written. Uh, so you know, it it makes sense to 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 centralize and focus your confession around salvation yeah that's the whole point yeah that's it, and, and it's incredible how they've like you said there's an economy of their words that is just so rich so deep just right here and and we get to the end that that knowledge of god and his will which is necessary unto salvation i mean we're we're, we're smack dab in the middle of it right here at the very beginning, and it's going to be a recurring theme precisely because the recurring theme of Scripture as a whole is man going away and God chasing after him, right? Yeah. Adam sinned, Eve sinned, and God came after them, and what happened? They ran off, and God calls them, calls them out. Where, where are you going, right? Uh, over and over and over again, Israel is like, ooh, look at this God over here. Look at this idol. And guys, like, come on back. <laughs> right? It's just a constant ebb and flow. And, you know, God in the flesh, Christ comes down and is given the message that um, the, the uh, Jews of the time had heard over and over and over again uh, from reading the Torah and 
knowing what we now know as the Old Testament, and they killed him. And yet God sends a spirit. I mean, yeah. it's just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's he doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. He keeps coming after us, man. And eventually he's just going to bring Jerusalem all the way down. Just plop. All the way down. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, just a, hey, y'all watch this. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna be great. Oh, that's that's chapter thirty-two though. We gotta we gotta save <laughs> something for for the deep cuts. <laughs> but uh, wow, um, I mean, it, it didn't take the full hour. I'm I'm kind of surprised, but uh, that that in and of itself. Um, you you want to keep going, or you you want to you want to call it there and just kind of park it? Hey, we can keep going if you want. All to. right, you want to edit later on? Okay, well, that's that's where I. I prepared to, so the rest of it's just freestyling. <laughs> just, just winging it, man. Yeah, that's just what we do. It from here on out. All right, so uh, we'll get into uh, to the Hebrews reference, right? Therefore, it pleased the Lord at sundry times and in diverse manners to reveal Himself and to declare that His will unto the church, and afterward for the better preserving and propagating of the truth, and for the more sure establishment of comfort for the church against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan and of the world to commit the same holy unto writing, which maketh the Holy Scriptures to be most necessary, those former ways of God revealing his will unto his people being now ceased. And that sentence is somehow even longer than the one we just <laughs> dissected. <laughs> so yeah. strap in. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so go back to that first part where he says that uh, in, at various time and in sundry ways. I mean, that's almost exact quote from Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. Yep. And the, the, the whole point of the, the first four verses of Hebrews, the first chapter, that whole point there is to uh, show us that God has spoken to us. And, and in the old times, in the Old Testament, he spoke to us through the prophets. He spoke to us um, through, through various signs and wonders. Uh, that, that he did through his people. Um, but now he has spoken to us in a more excellent way through his son. And so this, this kind of uh, parallels that, you know, God chose to speak to us in a few different ways, mm -hmm. trying to get the message to us in as many different ways as we can. One, he does it through nature so that we can all see, you know, parts and pieces of him and understand more of him and see that we're sinners and see that there's a need for us to be saved because we can't do it on our own. Yep. And uh, then he gives us the more specifics through the prophets in the Old Testament, through Christ in the New Testament, uh, and through the apostles, you know, Christ speaking through the apostles um, in, in the rest of the New Testament. And so God is, is, has done as much as his will will, will will allow him to do to reach us and give us the message that we are sinners, that we need a Savior, that He is the one who provided that salvation for us, and it's only through Him that we can have that salvation. Um, and so He does that specifically through Scripture. And I think that's a great uh, quote that they did there, emphasizing that whole point there, that that's the reason for Scripture, you know, because this whole second half right here is is not about this or the quality of Scripture, but the reason for the Scripture. And why God laid it down for us uh, so that we would understand his message much clearer and that that message would be preserved 
throughout history for all of us. Yeah. Well, well said uh, across the board, Casey. And, and I can't help but think as we get into to this section, uh, it's not actually quoted or, or referenced in any of the, the scripture footnotes uh, for this paragraph. But uh, Jesus, I think it was in the Sermon on the Mount. So like Matthew 5, 6 or 6, yeah, 5, 6 and 7, that, that yeah. area. So heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Mm-hmm. And, and recognizing that, uh, you know, as... Hebrews points out in, in this uh, uh, portion of the confession points out that there were ways that God revealed himself that, that are now gone. And yet the word of God moves on. And um, it's from that that we get to this, this phrase afterward. So after all of these other sundry times and diverse manners, right after that, for the better preserving and propagating of the truth. Right. So once again, going back to the, the foundation of any belief is going to be truth. Right. Is it true? Right. It's not knowledge. If it's wrong, it's just a false belief. It's a lie. Right. In order for you to know something, it has to be true. And that truth is at the center of God's character, of God's revelation. And it goes back to the authority of his revelation. Uh, specifically in his word here and preserving it, but not just for us to keep, right? Not to, to hide, a, hide a lamp under a bushel, but to propagate that truth. And we've talked about mm-hmm. everybody on the planet who has eyes and ears and, and can perceive the world around them knows that they're a sinner. We need to go tell them the way out of that sin and death and bondage. Right. And so it's not just the preserving of the truth, but there's a purpose to it. There's a propagating of the truth. That's the purpose of the church. That's why we have the truth, not to keep it for ourselves, to go be salt, go be light, because that's what we are. Yeah. And that's what is unique about the church uh, in the uh, in the original uh, system that God set up with the Hebrews. It was not evangelical. Uh, the fathers were to teach the children and, and those children would teach their children. And it, and it kind of stayed within that family, uh, that family pathway, the ancestry. Um, but when it comes to the church now, you know, we've got those scriptures. We've got the Old Testament. It, it, you know, when the church first started, they had the Old Testament. And, you know, there, there was supposed to be uh, we were supposed to go out and tell at that mm-hmm. point. It wasn't just, you know, we'll, we'll teach your children. No, it was it was go out and teach everybody, you know, so so that's why it was far more important at that time to have a means to, you know, get that message out. And so the epistles came through, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's and, and so those were circulated through. And so it was a much more, I guess you'd call mobile type religion where yeah. everything was, you know, we were supposed to be going out and telling, not just living it, not just teaching our our kids and making sure our family was following it, but going out and telling others as well. Um, And so, you know, having those scriptures there, having the summation of the law and the prophets that that they had at that time, and then adding to that their writings, the the apostles' writings, um, codifying that all into the scriptures and and making that our foundation is is so important to us being able to go out and, and minister the gospel to all the peoples. We have that ability 
to, to point to, well, this is, you know, this is how God acted in the Old Testament and this is how God acted in the New Testament. And it's just one long story mm-hmm. about the salvation of mankind. And we can take that and, and you know, it's a much better picture. And, and so we can propagate that picture because of those writings. Yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it's, it's neat, the uh, language here specifically is referring to his church, right? Uh, even, even in the old ways, right, and in the sundry times and diverse manners, revealing himself to declare that his will unto the church, right? So even referring to Old Testament Israel in that way and bringing that into the new, preserving and propagating of the truth, and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church, right? So now a more sure establishment of the church. This isn't the nation of Israel or of Judah for that matter, um, the, because those passed away. Those other means that in those times, that's passed away. God's plan wasn't to establish a particular country and build from there. His uh, purpose was to establish a church and um, have it on good authority that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. <laughs> and that language is defensive, right? You, you don't you don't have gates at the battle lines. You have gates yeah. at the beginning of your town. So when the, the um, opposing army is, is storming in, you have to storm the gates. And so this this language of the gates of hell will not prevail against it is carrying with it this mindset of go out, right? Propagate the truth, uh, you know, that this spiritual warfare like we see in um, was it Ephesians 6? Correct me if I'm wrong, the, the armor of God passage? Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah. So, I'm, I'm living it. you know, the, and there's there's some, some other uh, metaphors of that way, but the establishment of the church has that purpose, right? And like Jesus said, he will be with us even until the end of the age, right? And it's not go make disciples of this nation here and that nation over there or even most mm. nations, is all nations. Everybody needs this. Go. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I, I like the, the imagery there of, of the, the gates of hell because they're the ones who are on the defensive. Yes. Okay, they're the ones who are holed up. They know the ending is coming, and we're the ones who are supposed to be going out advancing against the gates of hell and, and, and rescuing those who are headed that direction. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, we're, we're very, we, we, we are an offensive religion. Let's just say that. <laughs> if there's one thing you and me are, Casey, it's offensive. That's for sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, also not just the establishment of the church, but the comfort of the church. How important is it to have that recognition there that uh, God is not just a warlord, right? It, the, the spirit of God is not just, uh, motivating us to go out, but the, the Spirit is also a comforter to us, right? In our pain, in our affliction, in our times of trouble, in our sin, right? It's the very Spirit of God that's comforting us, letting us know that the, the right response isn't to say, you know what, I, I've messed up, I, I can't join this fight anymore, y'all go on without me, right? There's a comfort yeah. that we need, that encouragement to continue going, and, and that comfort is necessary. And all of this is still around the same concept 
of his word. Right? Here we are. Back at it again. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's it's all there. It's not clever words of wisdom, although, let's be fair, friends can say some great comforting things. And mm. as awesome as you are with your words, Casey, and as comforting as you can be, and a great friend, you are no match for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. No offense taken on that one. Yeah. Oh. And uh, oh, the, the, any any thing that is said that is comforting comes from Scripture through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, even if it's said by someone who doesn't believe, you know, God uses people who don't believe all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, even if, uh, you know, especially in the, the cancel culture that we have now, even if someone who does have, you know, some skeletons in the closet, if they speak the word. Sorry, you know, you're saying that they, from the closet. I can't not laugh. <laughs> yeah, I keep my skeletons over there in, in, in that corner right down there. Yeah. Um, no, you know, if it's if it comes from the scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter who says That's it. That's right. Doesn't matter who says it. Um, so, you know, there's. Gosh. There, there's there's so many things going on and and uh, heroes falling from pedestals across the Christian community. Um, oh yeah, you know, and you know, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, if 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 they're speaking the scripture, it's true. Okay, um, and that's that's all I'm going to say about yeah, that. That's... If it comes from scripture, it's true. That's right. That's right. Very good. And, uh, you know, interesting segue into that uh, as well, because uh, just like we pointed out before, that it's Scripture that's sufficient, it's Scripture that's certain, it's Scripture that's infallible, we certainly are. And not just us. We we see here that the next uh, kind of trifecta uh, in here is the corruption of the flesh, the malice of Satan, and of the world. And... uh, Mm. um, I don't know if you thought about this looking through it, but when I see those three together, my mind immediately goes to Ephesians 2, right? Um, and you who were dead in your sins and trespassing, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and um, uh, the lust of the flesh, right? So in, that, in those two or three verses, we see these three ideas all, all mixed together to recognize it's not Satan who made you sin. Right. It's not no. your circumstances. Now, certainly. Satan has his devices. The world has the corruption already, but we can't ignore our own flesh in, in this. Right. It, it's it's the flesh that's going to take the good things like Paul is talking about in Romans seven with the law and use that to kill you. Right. It's the mm-hmm. flesh that's going to use the tools of Satan uh, to twist your mind and distort your heart uh, even further and it's it's the flesh that's going to look at the world and go that's where i want to be yeah and, and and all three of these forces if you will are conspiring against us and yet um you know part of the prevailing wisdom of the world is you know just just look inside yourself man follow your heart uh yeah follow your heart oh <laughs> yeah that kills me Ooh. <laughs> If it feels good, do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, just follow your heart. That's that's Disney for you. Yeah. Now you know, I I I don't need Satan to help me sin. I can do. I can sin just fine by myself. Yeah. You know, um, it's it's my flesh and my desire for the things that I see in this world that are going to drag me away from God's true purpose for me. And there's a lot of distractions out there. Um, but yeah, I, you know, and I just being able to stay in the word on a daily basis and studying scripture on a daily basis is, is one of the greatest ways to keep your foot from evil, not turn into the right or to the left, you know, Come on. um, you know, that's, that's one of my, my biggest prayers for myself and for my family on a daily basis is that God would, would protect us and keep us from going astray. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, some days, yeah. And some days, no, we, we try to learn from every mistake we make, uh, and give God glory in, in everything we do. But yeah, there's, if you're, if you're listening to this, uh, this podcast and you're not studying scripture on a daily basis, I don't know how you're living. Yeah. <laughs> Before you start opening this up to study with us, <laughs> open this up a time or two. How about it? Yeah. Yeah. Matter, matter of fact, you might want to press pause right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. If you made it this far, we've already got got credit for for you watching the show or uh, listening. You've already downloaded it. Come back, finish. We're happy to to have you join us. But but yeah, you you're exactly right. And I mean, already, I mean, we're we're not two sentences fully into this confession and we're already looking back into the Old Testament prophets. We've looked at back at Genesis. We uh we we've looked at, you know, countless books in the New Testament already with the Gospels and and Paul's writings. I mean, it's 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 necessary, even when you're studying about Scripture, not to take your focus off of Scripture because it's Scripture that's going to put your focus where it needs to be on God, on Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, on the Father Himself, and it's going to take you out of the world. Right? You can't um, watch TV and, and all of the nonsense that's all over the place whether it's real or imagined uh, if your focus is on scripture satan is going to have a really difficult time getting your attention if you're focused on the holy spirit inspired words of scripture right your flesh is going to have a difficult time activating your members of your body to sin if they're too busy turning the pages of scripture and it's it's that is a, a very tangible resource that we have that will keep us um, not only from sinning, but for the works that God has for us. It, it, as it says later in Ephesians 2, right? The good works that were prepared beforehand. And, and going back to 2 Timothy, which is kind of where we started with, uh, so that the man may be equipped for every good work, right? There is a purpose to this, and it's not just avoiding something we have a goal that we're pursuing we have this godliness or the standard of godliness sanctification as we'll find out about later but it's god's word is going to be the driving force on all of it preach it man keep it rolling okay all right <laughs> well you know and with with that right recognizing that it's it's the the establishment of the comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh, the malice of Satan, and of the world. 
to commit the same wholly unto writing. So all of those past revelations of himself, all of the diverse manners in which he has made himself known has been captured in the words of Scripture that we now know as the Old Testament, and even at the time of this writing, uh, is also pointing to the New Testament. And, and even Paul, um, it, it's interesting to note how even some of the New Testament writers seem to have an understanding that they were participating in creating Scripture. Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, Paul writing, uh, I think it's to the Galatians. Uh, yeah, uh, it's one of the citations in here. Um, Galatians 3.20. Oh, it's not in this one. Was it, or no, Ephesians 2.20. Um, referring to the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ being the cornerstone himself. So he's pointing to the apostles of Christ who mm -hmm. are contemporaries of the New Testament literature on the same plane as prophets as a foundation. What better foundation can you have for your worldview, right? Yeah. And, and Christ himself is the cornerstone. He's the focus of the prophets and the apostles, the Old Testament and the New. All of it is, as it says, committed uh, wholly unto writing. And, and that language of holy going right back to the very beginning, Holy Scripture is the only sufficient. That's the only source that is holy, the revelation of God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll kind of dissect this last part here uh, as we uh, bring this in for a landing. Hey, we, we were able to get through the whole paragraph. I was, I was <laughs> surprised. Which maketh the Holy Scriptures to be most necessary, those former ways of God revealing His will unto His people being now ceased. So it seems there's a connection here of His will going back to um, the, the sundry times and diverse manners to reveal himself and to declare that his will unto the church and also going back to uh, the works of creation um, are not sufficient to give knowledge of God and his will, which is necessary unto salvation. So there's a, a theme coming through this section here, um, that revelation in those former ways has now been ceased and therefore scripture is necessary as they say more most necessary what you got on that yeah <laughs> yeah so i mean it's just the the way the way i hear that is um the 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 scriptures are complete mm -hmm. okay like i said they the beginning this is sufficient now it says wholly complete here um, there's nothing that's going to come after that. There's nothing that's going to be added to it. There's no new revelation that's going to be coming. God has said all that he needs to say in, in, in his scripture. And any, anything that comes after that, anything that try to add to it, take away from it, is, is not from him. Okay. Um, so, you know, sorry, Jeff Smith. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 that ain't it. Um, so yeah, there. I mean, there, and there's there's been so many things coming after this this time uh, that that tried to change, add to, take away from scripture um, that that you know thankfully got thrown out. Um, I mean, even at the end of Revelation, 
there's a warning saying anybody tries to add to or take away from this cigarette. Now that this probably just means revelation there, right. that, that, that thing, but still, you know, Hey, if you're trying to add or take away from this, you know, there's a curse on you. Right. Um, you know, and, and, you know, it's just, I don't understand why people try to add stuff to it. Even if I don't care what council you're on and, and how wise you may think in your own eyes, nothing that a man can say is going to add to or change what God has said. Um, yeah, there's there. I, yeah. I don't, I don't get that, but that, that's a topic for another, another day. Uh, <laughs> just tell him God told me he didn't talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I read, I read this thing. Oh my gosh. I hate to go back to Facebook, but I read this thing <laughs> on Facebook the other day where a guy was talking about, uh, the halftime show of the Super Bowl and how God revealed something to him about the end of the world oh, yeah. through the halftime of Super Bowl. I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> what, yeah. what was not adequately communicated in the writings of the Apostle John, he finished with the weekend. <laughs> yeah, with, with the performance by the weekend dancers at the Super Bowl. Yeah, that'll that's like, the ticket. Uh, yeah, my No. Yeah, what was it? Um, uh, one one of those Puritans. Uh, I think it was Thomas Watson. Uh, I remember the quote though. I don't remember who it's uh, attributed to. Um, if uh, private revelations uh, agree with uh, uh, disagree with scripture, they're wrong, and if they agree with scripture, they're not needed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I know it was a Puritan because every time I think of it, I go, that's one of the shortest Puritan sentences that I can ever <laughs> remember reading. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's neat to see how God has worked in the past uh, and how he con continues to work in the present and, and how that informs us of how he's going to work in the future, whether that's the, the near future with, um, our own personal sanctification or that of our families, like, like you were talking about, um, with our evangelism and ministry outreaches, you know, be it Sunday school, be it uh, podcasts uh, or, or um, you know, vocations, uh, right? Um, but then the, the long-term future, right? the, the last three chapters of Revelation, right? To know what's coming. We may not understand it because... And I guarantee you it has nothing to do with the halftime show of any Super Bowl. We'll just go ahead and say that across the board. No, not even the one Prince did. Oh, golly. Nope, nope, we're not going down that rabbit trail. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, it's neat to see the consistency there because we can look and see what he's done in the past and we can see what he's done just in our lives, right? I mean, we, we've talked before. Um, anytime you, you keep a prayer journal and you start documenting what you're praying for, you start to realize how many of those prayers are actually answered, right? Mm -hmm. When you start uh, uh, being more intentional with, you know, propagating the truth, you start to see more fruits of that labor, right? Uh, and you, you see these things, uh, you, we see in our kids, right, how they have grown uh, a, a love and a desire for the things of God. We can see um, 
these relatively uh, tiny examples, right? Because I'm, I'm not going to put any experience I have up with anything that's, that's in the pages of Scripture. Um, no. But at the same time, the personal impact is so enormous. And to be able to see that and then look at Scripture and go, wow, right? Like, like this, is, this is the kind of thing that's happening. And it's, it's Scripture itself that drives it. Right. It's it's and or, or rather scripture itself is the vehicle by which the spirit drives it. I think that's probably a better way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, to, to see that most necessary precisely because God's not appearing as a pillar of, uh, of fire anymore. He's not giving manna on my front lawn in the morning. Right. He's not literally resurrecting people from the dead out of the grave right now. He will. But in the meantime, we got to remember this. Mm -hmm. We got to remember this. And, um, the, 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 oh gosh, the importance of it. I think it was captured so brilliantly in second Peter. and, And I referenced this when we were going through the, um, um, Baptist faith and message uh, at church. Uh, and, and it's such a great way to end this particular paragraph, the uh, second letter from Peter. Now, this is a guy who was on, on the mountain of transfiguration with Jesus. He saw the veil pulled aside and the glory there. He saw Moses and Elijah standing before him, wanting to build a tent for him. Right, right there on the mountain. So let's just stop right here. Right, he he is probably the, the apostle that most resonates with with some of our uh, basic experience because he gets so emotional. Right, he sees something. He's like, yes, let's do it. Right, and at the same time, he's like, no, I will never deny you, except for those three times that I just did, and you knew it, and I didn't believe you. <laughs> right, but he in. Um, Second uh, Peter one, so the second second letter he wrote, he's closing the the first chapter um, by recounting the experience of being on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, starting in verse seventeen. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves, referring to him and John and James, if I remember correctly, those are the other, uh, the three that were with him. Um, mm-hmm. uh, for we were with him on the holy mountain, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. For this man to be on the mountain with Christ, to see what he saw, and then to look at effectively what we hold in our hands and say, this is better. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, the reason that, that God, well, I don't want to, I don't want to be pretentious and say, I know all the reasonings yeah. of God, <laughs> but <laughs> the, it seems to be that the reason that God did uh, a lot of the miracles and things he did was to confirm what he said. Yes. Um, you know, he, he, uh, going through Exodus right now, and and uh, Noah going Noah Moses going up on the mountain of Sinai, and 
why did God have to send the, the thunder and the lightning and, and all that stuff? It, you know, because if he was just the still small voice, we wouldn't think much of it. Right. right? So he's got to show himself to be, you know, this this big thing. And so, you know, we will believe it. You know, why did Jesus do all the healing miracles mm-hmm. to show himself that he was, you know, God over all creation? Right. Yep. Why did he calm the storm? Because he was God over all creation. Why did he cast demons out? Because he's God over heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so everything that he did was to confirm what he said. Right. And so the miracles that we see are just there to kind of get our attention and confirm what message is that God is giving us. Um, so going back to what you said earlier, that, uh, you know, when we have a personal experience, we, we don't take from that personal experience. We look at that personal experience in light of scripture to help interpret what we just went through right so instead of uh thinking you know i just had this dream and god told me this and i'm gonna go off and now okay okay i had this dream i had this experience let me go to scripture and see as someone else had that kind of dream has someone else had that kind of experience and what does the scripture say about it um we have far too many people having some sort of experience and then writing a book about it and going on a book tour and yep. people forget that's not what it says in scripture. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's good yeah. to, to, to point that out too, because it, it really highlights the, the tendency that we have is to view scripture through the lens of our experience. Yes. Right. And that's where we get back to, to we kind of end where we started off, right. Recognizing that, that the tendency that we have is to elevate ourselves above God to judge his word. Well, that's exactly what we're doing when we look at his word through the lens of our experience. Right. Mm-hmm. And we come to it and say, well, my life's different. So this doesn't apply to me or yeah. this time, this culture is different. So this doesn't apply to now. We, yeah. I, I, I hesitate to say across the board because there are some, some distinctives uh, that we all draw with, uh, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, things like that. But the attitude of I'm going to get to say what applies and what doesn't, as opposed to looking at Scripture as the filter through which to see my life. And so yeah. what, what am I doing that needs to be corrected by Scripture? What am I doing that Scripture is guiding me to? And, and getting that orientation right is going to help really us be, uh, for, for one, it's going to help us have more accurate knowledge. It's going to strengthen our faith and resolve, and it's going to help us be more obedient to, to go right back to the, the language of the section we've been reading on. So that's all I got. Yeah. Uh, Casey, what, what you got? Any final thoughts you want to add? Yeah, you know, just continuing on the same vein, man. Uh, uh, the, the big one, you've heard it a million times. I can't believe in a God who does... Yep blank whatever it is um so instead of looking at scripture and seeing what god is who god is we have a god that we think is a a god made in our image and and then we compare that to the god of the bible we don't like the god of the bible anymore because we can't control him um you know and and we have to be very careful about bringing our preconceived notions um you know a lot of people will quote the scripture, God is love. Well, yes, absolutely. The scripture <laughs> says God is love. Yep. So we look to the scriptures to find out what love is. Bingo. And that's what God does. 
And so we see, yes, God is merciful. God is forgiving. He is also wrathful. He also full of justice. You know, that's also love. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, when, when you get people say, well, I'm just going to love. I'm like, well, I'm going to love too. And I'm going to discipline my child. And I'm going to tell you when you're wrong. And I'm going to look at the scripture to see when I'm wrong. And, you know, th that's all part of love. And so we, you know, just just echoing what you said, we can't look at uh, God through our own eyes. We have to look through him through the eyes of scripture and what he says he is. And instead of trying to figure out, you know, what we think love is or what we think goodness is or what mercy is, we look to scriptures and see what goodness is and what mercy is and let that uh, tell us what those qualities are. Beautiful. Well said, sir. And uh, I think that's going to be a, a good soft place to land uh, with, with that uh, hard and necessary truth. So uh, thanks, Casey, for joining. Ho hope you get to join again soon. Um, and, and yes, that does mean I hope Alex gets to not join soon so we get to do this again. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're edified. Uh, we'll see you again next time.